This is the Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, May 21st, 2021, and it's the Relevant Podcast. How is it already May 21st? Uh, I'm, I'm in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. And joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. Hey. And uh, Jamie Ivy is out on assignment today. So sitting in for her, also from Nashville, Relevant Senior Editor, Tyler Huckabee. Howdy, everybody. I'm going to redo the intro. It's the Relevant Dude Cast today. The Relevant Dude Cast. <laughs> Sorry to everybody in advance for probably what will happen. But oh, yeah. Last time it went off the rails. Y'all remember that? It, it, not yeah, it, yeah, it generally gets... It, it, it's generally... I give us about five to eight minutes before it's it's definitely in the ditch like, it's, not that jamie, usually... it's not that jamie's like guys don't say that it's the fact that on our screens we see her and we right. don't you know it's just she's just a presence that keeps us on the straight and narrow mostly unless jesse yeah. talks about uh enterprising lovemakers and then i don't know yeah, <laughs> not this this happens, i see my, I see my career flash before my eyes here when, when it's all the guys on here just just my reputation <laughs> Possibly my legal standing. Fortunately, my job is pretty safe because how far on can that yeah. go? <laughs> We're all in it together. Sink or swim. Yeah, it, right. it's just one of those things. How long before one of us gets kicked off the internet for good? Where yeah. Al Gore just yeah. calls and he says, you're off. You're done. <laughs> Jesse, this, this is actually a good training session for Derek because this is Friday, May 21st. On Monday, the three of us are flying to Wyoming with some other That's guys right. to spend yeah. a week doing basically a week long dude cast without microphones. So this is yeah. good. This is good. Like prep time for, for Derek. Exactly. I'm scared. Exactly. This is a nice warm up. Derek, you're, you're nervous. Why? Yeah, bro. Cause man, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know what y'all going to be doing out there in the woods, man. You know what I'm saying? All I know is every scary movie I've ever seen that don't end well for the black dude out of the woods. Yeah. going to be some sort of purge situation. Right. First to go. Jason, if, if, it, if this is a Jason movie, I'm definitely the first guy to go. Like, <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm excited, though. You know what I mean? I heard we're going to do some fishing. You know what I'm saying? So I love fishing. We'll do some Contra, you know, I love to do play fishing. Some cards. That'd be fun. Right, yeah. yeah it'd be a good oh, time. No, we don't play cards, man. That's no. You grew That's up. The devil. You grew up Pentecostal, bro. You post I know we don't. Yeah. Is this how many? <laughs> how long has it been since Sorry. you guys? Is how, since you guys have been on a flight? Because you guys are all flying out there. What's the? Is this? Is it new or weird? For me, it's nah, this it, trip I, last year. It was me flying to Wyoming uh -huh. last May. Yeah. Literally this. That's it. I haven't been on a plane since the pandemic. I don't. I, yeah, it feels like a different lifetime since I've been on a plane. It feels uh, like, a, you know, a vague memory of, like I said, the before times of I'm mm -hmm. kind of like nervous about being just back in an airport again. And, and you know, remembering kind of the whole rhythms of, of all of that. But uh, sure. yeah, it, it's been a while, but I'm, I'm 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 kind of excited about the flying experience after having not done it in a while. I'm not. I'm not trying to wear a mask for 
that long, man. I know. That's the bummers. Yeah. We that's, you still that's, have to wear a mask for sucks. six hours. Get, get I, don't even, I don't even think about it anymore. I just, you know, slide it on and, you know, it, I, I, like I was telling you guys last week about the grocery store analogy. If you're, where, if you're in the grocery store and you, you run into someone you know, the mask is a great excuse not to stop and talk and just continue about your business because you got you have the plausible deniability of being able to recognize someone. You know, typically I'm a pretty chatty traveler. I'm making friends the whole way. You know, I, oh, my seatmates, just, you know, random people were just kind of hanging out. You know, I like it, but I'm going to try. I'm just going to go a different approach this year. I feel like the mask mm. thing will really, uh, you know, put a put a damper on just sort of the 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 friendly rat-a-tat that tripic, that typically accompanies most of my travel. So uh, it'll be a whole new approach this What year. do you say? We, we may not have time to do all this today, Jesse, but you have one of the best airport run-in stories that I've ever heard in my entire life. So much so that I've done, you know the weird thing that you do with friends sometimes where you're like, my friend has this story. Like you're not telling your own story. You're saying this happened to a buddy of mine. And you can see everybody, the look on everybody's face is like, this had better deliver, man. If this right. isn't your story, this had better be this had better be prime story content. And Je- Jesse's story does deliver. I need it. I need it. You guys have all. You guys are going to have a lot all week, and Jesse can get into the nitty gritty details. And I'm sure it's been told on this podcast before, so <laughs> some listener can go can go try to find the yeah. actual episode I, where I, it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I need to subject listeners to it again, but I, Derek, I will. I'll regale you, and hopefully, I'll have some new travel stories because even with the mask, oh, that's true. I'm a, I'm still a pretty chummy, you know. Just I mean, it's just my style. I just like I just like people, man. You know. Yeah. Good. You said yeah. you don't. No, I'm like you. I don't <laughs> chit chat, small talk with people. I don't know you. I don't need to know you. Why? But why not? Because they're going to Topeka. Not? I'm never going to see them again. Why do we need to exactly. like waste our it's energy? Stakes, it's a low stakes conversation because I mean, wow. you never know. You might keep in touch. You might keep in touch. I, I, me and the dude in that. Why would you keep in touch? Why? Why do you keep in touch with anybody? People, yeah, that's the whole point, man. <laughs> you have like you're living life together. They can be you part have, of your like, life. Bonds. They can be part of your life. <laughs> I don't want the person in Topeka to be part of my life. Because okay, I'm gonna give you a scenario. I'm gonna give no you a scenario. No new friends, Clark. Play Drake. No new friends. That's exactly right. You're flying. You're flying. You got a layover. You got a layover in Chicago, but a big storm is blowing through. Okay, and they're canceled all the flights for that night. Thankfully, you've been hanging out with a bunch of random people at one of those little fake Irish pubs that's like in the airport, and you all go in on a hotel room together, and you back out at the last second because you realize it's a pretty bad plan because these are perfect strangers and you're going to sleep. Why would you get a hotel room with strangers? <laughs> because it's either that or sleeping in the airport. I'm, I'm just not going to sleep in a hotel room with people I don't know. I would rather sleep uh, in the airport. No I big. almost did that. I almost did that. I, I, that was an exact <laughs> circumstances that happened to me, and I almost did it. And I probably would have been murdered in that hotel room. But hey, yeah, exactly. made for a great story, if I survived. Oh my gosh! You know, sometimes you roll the dice in life. You know. <laughs> So you're you're advocating for talking to people in the airport. So because potentially it may escalate to the opportunity to get a hotel room with them where who knows what will happen to you. That is not a selling point. Or you like you said, you end up with a lifelong friend. 
You know, who knows? I've met people that at airports and we, we were like, yeah, we should text. Keep up. If you're passing through, hey, who knows? You know, well, I just don't see the harm in it, guys. I just don't see the harm. <laughs> in it. No, I'm 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 uh, on, I'm team Jesse here. I, I love I love the stopping chats when I'm at the when I'm when I'm when I'm at the airport. You know, you got a few minutes to yourself. If you got a coffee shop, a bar, a restaurant, sit down, strike it. You never know. I've had some great conversations. I've gotten great advice uh, yeah. at, at, the, oh. at the airport. Uh, I remember, I remember the, some of the advice, the marriage advice I got, I would, cause I was waiting to go propose to, to Liz before I, I was like chilling out at the airport, told everybody there about it. Then people started like telling me, like, give me good marriage. It was a really fun experience. Yeah. That, talk to people in airports. You don't know where these people are coming I'm from. They Subway may be like, well, I'm still married. So it couldn't have been that bad advice. It could have been their fifth <laughs> marriage. You could have, you don't know what happened. They could have so killed the first it. three wives. They know it doesn't I'm work. Like- <laughs> oh, but isn't that? But look, real talk. But real talk. Isn't meeting people and talking to people the whole point? Like, isn't? Our, no, our, the point is whole... to get from point A to point B. <laughs> I, I know. I'm not talking about the point of That's traveling. Point. I'm talking about the whole point of life. I'm talking about the whole point of life. Aren't we supposed to be out there chopping it up? Isn't that? Isn't that like just part of the whole deal? Like, hey. You're a human. I'm a human. We're in the same place right now. We could and exchange ideas and and converse and really give value and color and fullness and richness, if not to somebody's life. The book of Jesse Asties, chapter one, verse six. I've never flown and not had not made a new friend. And 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 I refuse to stop. I refuse. No mask will stop me. You're the person I dread to sit next to me. No, no, no. I, I I'm not. I'm not pestering. I'm not pestering people who obviously yeah. don't value my friendship. Okay. <laughs> if I get vibes from somebody that didn't want me to talk, I'm not a psycho. Okay. I'm not just like finding the most ornery person with giant Bose noise canceling headphones and like <laughs> putting myself right in their face. My child, I wear the over the ear, so there's no no missing. I leave, them, you know what I mean? I, I, I leave I leave all you grumpy curmudgeons alone. Okay? The party's going on over at the, uh, on the exit on the exit row seat <laughs> aisle because we're having a lot of fun talking the whole time about hypothetical scenarios. I, I have to say I've never been called something that I don't know what it means. Crotchety old guy grumpy. When Jesse and I travel, I will book me at the, <laughs> the window seat and Jesse can get the aisle seat and I'll sit there with my headphones on and he'll start talking to everybody else around him. Like he just kind of has a radius of friends and I'm just like hanging out with my music. Okay, there's two types of people in life. All right. I learned me this. And you. When, I learned this when I was like eight years old. Uh-huh. You, you're the type of person where if you kick the soccer ball over the fence, they toss it back and maybe even hop over and kick it, kick it around with you. Uh, I pop it. There's a type that, like that lived behind me as a kid. Okay, yeah. I would run up to our the like climb up on top of the swing set, be like, "Hey, can you give that soccer ball back?" It was an old man, and he wouldn't even say a word. He just would go, and he had the same giant leaf bag that had like eight of my Nerf footballs in there, and he would <gasps> wordlessly just take it out of his shed and put all the soccer and put my soccer ball in there. He just kept them in a bag. <laughs> In his mind, there are, there are hard lines in life. Okay, the ball comes over the fence. It's now his problem. Okay, nah. then there's a type like me. A ball comes over. Hey, someone's hooping. Maybe I'll get in a game with him. You know, maybe we'll go pick. You know, that's it's just a dude. Jesse, did that, that dude steal? Did that dude steal your balls for real, bro? 
Uh, that that is a true story. That is a, a, a absolutely true story. Every ball that went over. The fence. To be fair, we were kicking balls over that fence all the time. But you know how hard is it? How hard is it to just toss them back over? That's what I'm saying. You know. All right. Well, we have a great show in store for you today, despite the fact that Jamie's not here. Uh, coming up later, one of our favorite. Authors, hip hop artists, activists, Show Baraka is joining nice us. Guy. He has a new book out called He Saw That It Was Good. And it's about how creativity and the arts can be part of the fight for justice and equality in the world. It's awesome. That's coming up. And also for our quarter life conversation, author Jennifer Dukes Lee joins us with some tips about eliminating stress and hustle from your post COVID lifestyle. You don't want to miss that. Oh, and at the end of the show, we got a we got a, we got a good one. We got a good little game. Tyler's throwing together a good little game yeah. for you. Yes. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> it's different. It's a little bit. It's different. it's different. It's not a trivia a, thing. This is a little. This is this is this this is this is. It's easy like a mode. brain teaser right. almost. It's like a brain teaser game. You gotta. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's easier. It's good. I don't know if it's easier or harder, but it's not. It's uh, I, I I went. I changed track. We'll say that. We'll get. We'll I'll get say this. There's no multiple choices. There's no whatever. It's a totally different type of game. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. We got relevant news and a lot more. Uh, stay tuned. Right now, up next, it's slices. You're listening to Japanese Breakfast. The song is Savage Good Boy. Well, today's episode is brought to you by podcast creation platform, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. There are custom tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and every major platform. The cool thing is you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, I have a a, a good old-fashioned twofer this week. The first one is about a good man. His name is Chris Angel. He's the mind freak, guys. Okay. Oh, we we know yeah. we know all about Chris Angel. He is a sweet magician who just <laughs> happens to be a victim of some very very unfortunate fashion decisions. You know, uh you know, he's known as much for his kind of corny magic show as he is for his uh his bold embrace of uh, you know, uh, the the weird aisle from Hot Topic his whole career. But Chris Angel's doing something pretty cool. So uh, Chris Angel has a young seven-year-old son uh, who is a cancer survivor. And, uh, hmm. you know, it's a really heartwarming story. You know, him and his son are really close. And he would take his son outside of Las Vegas, um, you know, about an hour outside of town. And they would go uh, dirt biking a lot, especially when he's going through his cancer treatments. A way to kind of do something fun, bond with his son, kind of uh, let him experience something cool. And they would frequently eat at a, a restaurant out there, you know, kind of way out in the desert. Well, Chris Angel, as we as we all are well aware, he's done pretty well for himself. OK, uh, Chris Angel is, is, is uh, you know, been a successful Vegas ma- uh, magician. 
He decided to purchase a restaurant that was struggling out there in the desert. He's renamed it. Now, I do. Now, before I get into the name of the restaurant, I will say uh, he is going to uh, use the, the this new establishment uh, to uh, help with local a uh, local youth job program. He's going to do a free meal outreach program to families that uh, are in financial need and families of pediatric cancer patients. So he's going to use the Ooh, restaurant to do something that's good. Great. Uh, which which I think is great. Now, the only thing is, I don't think he really thought the whole restaurant thing through. I think we should, if you're out 60 miles outside of Las Vegas, you come across this place, you should support it because they're doing cool stuff. But it's kind of all over the place. It kind of sounded like he made the purchase without kind of thinking through really the value proposition of this restaurant. If you're Chris Angel, okay, mm-hmm. and you and you oh, and you purchase a restaurant, don't you think you want to go for something like obviously magic themed in the restaurant or like at least... At least some yeah. sort of allusion, no pun intended, to uh, to, to to hey, this is a Chris Angel restaurant. Any ideas what this uh, what this restaurant's called? So it isn't. I mean, you're obviously it's not magic related. It's not Chris yeah, Angel. I mean, I, w- I would think it'd be something like uh, you know, like the 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 House of Cards or something like that. But Dude, right. that would be it. Yeah, that th- those are all fantastic names. It is spelled C A B L T. C-A-B-L-T, and it's pronounced Kablip, okay? The restaurant is called Kablip, so it happens to be an acronym for Chris Angel Breakfast, Lunch, and Pizza. It's kind of all over the place, like Chris Angel. <laughs> like, I, that could be the sales pitch. Like, that could be what? the elevator pitch. Hey, man, it's a, re- it's a restaurant that I own that sells breakfast, lunch, and pizza. But Kablip, like, that's not, that's not you know, really drawing me in here. I will say this. He, uh, in addition to breakfast, lunch, and pizza, which those are the main uh, menu items there. The three meals. Yeah, the, the three meals <laughs> in the life of anyone, that's, any Vegas, Las, Las Vegas strip magician. His breakfast, <laughs> lunch, and pizza. I mean, he's got he's got his essentials covered, but he's Man. also he's also promising to serve something that's called uh, it's it's a cocktail called the mind freeze. That's more the lane I'm looking for. That, right. yeah, cool that makes sense. mind freak stuff. So sure, food freak. Yeah, food freak. There you go. So. Chris Angel, I appreciate what you're doing. If you're listening, consider consider a rebrand because it's a little confusing. But if I'm out that way, I will gladly stop in. Depending on the time of day, if it's if it's in the evening, maybe I'll throw back on a mind freeze and have some pizza. If it's breakfast or lunch, I'll just keep it. Can you call it the Dine Freak? That would make sense, right? Everybody, gets, everybody loves dining. Yeah. Oh, because it sounds like mind dine. Okay. Yeah. I, got it. Kind, I mean, kind of. I don't. That, that's off the dome. It's better than Kablip. I was going to say, your guys' first time hearing about this, you've already come up with four better names. Okay, what other slice that is a little bit more depressing? Um, uh, you know, the, the folks over at the research agency, YouGov, have evidently ascertained everything they possibly can by uh, surveying the American <laughs> I people. This today. Because <laughs> they, they have released the findings of a new study. And I don't know who commissioned it. And I didn't really want to know, to be honest. Like, I feel like the more I knew about the people behind this, the more disturbed I would be. So I just want to read the results. Uh, they've decided to poll the American people to find out which animals they feel like they could beat in a fight if they if the people are uh, if humans are unarmed. Great story. Topping the list are are animals that I feel like you know we humans just would have a natural size advantage if for some reason it came down to hand to hand combat. So like at the top of the list are a lot of people believing they could beat a a a rat in a fight. 
Here's an interesting one. Only 69% of people said that they could beat a house cat in a fight. Who are the, you know, the the over 30% of the American population that is not confident that they could beat a house cat in a fist fight? Like what? Maybe they're just have. Maybe that's the percentage of people with like a chronic cat allergy or something that would just be rendered incapacitated be before the fight even started. They blow the up. Throat swells up. Like the eyes yeah. are. The, the eyes get they all swollen. They can barely see. They can barely see. They can barely see. They're sneezing all over the place. Sixty-one percent uh, are pretty confident about a goose in a fight. Uh, I, you know, again, those things are scary, I've, man. Yeah. Yeah. Mediums, <laughs> A motivated goose. I'm not confident that I, I can take that. A motivated. I, I was chased as a two year old by a goose at a city park, and I mean that's bigger than you. And they're mean Open. and aggressive. It was like a junkyard goose. It was like yeah. it had like the warts all over <laughs> the thing. Yeah. It was like yeah. it was angry. It was like clipped feather. It was like dirty. And like I was trying to feed it bread as a little kid at the park, and it was like Rah! and it started chasing me, and I'm like. I still remember it. I mean, that's I'll like beat that goose uh, down. <laughs> you were I was two. I was two. I don't care. I'm, I'm not gonna live my life getting beat up by a goose, bro. Like that's just not gonna be part of my story. There's motives. <laughs> I'm bringing some geese to Wyoming. You're gonna see. They're, they're... When we get to so it falls below medium. It, it, it falls below fifty percent of people who are confident in in their barehanded fighting ability. When you hit medium sized dog eagle large dog you know i think most people push come to shove could probably handle their business if if they're attacked by an eagle okay um nah because it can fly bro like if it's flying down pecking at the talons and the man it's a predator yeah wingspan is larger than me they can carry me aloft and drop me off you know from the sky well look when you get to the bottom of the list you know the numbers fall off pretty dramatically but there are a shocking number of Americans who believe that they can beat in a fist fight the following animals. A chimpanzee. You would not, You would absolutely nope, no lose to a chimpanzee. Nope, no They're way. strong enough no to rip a door off the hinges. Okay? Mm-hmm. Chimps no are out. no joke. And they go they go straight for they the face. Die. That is their move. Uh, they go for the eyes, face, and, and let's just say this, <laughs> other sensitive areas. I don't need to... <laughs> dude, chimps fight dirty. Okay? Do not mess with the chimps. think how strong their hands are and that grip would be if it got on your throat? Yeah. yeah, they fight mm-hmm. dirty, you know. Um, uh, King Cobra, uh, kangaroo, no way. wolf, no. okay, crocodile, gorilla, elephant, lion, grizzly bear. There is still just un. There are six percent of the population that think they could beat a grizzly bear. Six percent, eight percent, eight percent. Are you hold on, are you saying in hand to hand combat, or I have a tool or a weapon? No, hand to hand combat. Mono That's a crazy. Six percent of your six percent of Americans are d- delusional freaks. Delusional. Oh, that idiots. is the stupidest yeah, thing I've ever heard. Eight percent. Eight percent say they could take a lion. Eight percent say <laughs> gorilla. Nine crocodile. I think honestly. Push come to shove. No. Like if no. if it's no. life or death, me in a cage with a crocodile. I think I'm taking the crocodile. Well, you heard about the girl that stuck the finger up the nose of the croc or whatever or alligator, right? And that stops no. them from fighting you. Yeah. So it was a little girl that uh, she had got, I guess, dragged under, and she stuck her finger in the nose, and an alligator let her go. But that doesn't mean you would win. You know what I mean? I mean, I could. I don't yeah, know. Are you we know. talking survive or kill? Beat. 
beat. Well, an alligator, I know this in Florida, the difference between an alligator and a croc are how, how they open and close their mouths, right? So an alligator doesn't have oh. much strength to open its jaws. Oh, okay. Its strength is in the muscles to collapse. So you can literally hold the jaw right. of an alligator shut with your hands. So you could, in theory, wrap yourself around him, keep his mouth shut, and pummel him until he dies. I, I, mean, I would feel yeah, more confident but, but against I feel an alligator like it's a war of attrition at that any point. of the other ones. I feel you like said. if you're just <laughs> trying to hold an alligator's mouth shut with one hand and pummel it to death, I feel like you're. It's just a. It's just. Yeah. It's just a gets, matter of time. Who dies? Who dies of exhaustion first? You or the crocodile? Because <laughs> yeah. well, a crocodile is different. A crocodile has. You can't hold a crocodile's mouth shut. It's jaws like have this strength in the other direction and so you that's oh. a big difference between alligators and crocodiles so crocodiles you're done like I, I have a lot of questions about this research uh, you know like i said i i, I don't believe that 31 percent of the population is so it, it does not believe that they can fight a house cat okay but i also think there are a lot of delusional people who i hope never encounter a grizzly bear because they seem extremely confident that they can just attack yeah. it and 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 beat the and, 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 send, and send that and give that grizzly <laughs> give that grizzly a lesson but i'm also very curious about what's going on at yougov right now because even their name suggests that this has something to do with the government like this is called yougov like a lot of their research has had to do with politics and policy and socioeconomic issues who at the government is interested in this information? And more disturbingly, why are they interested in this information? <laughs> like, if a government official is needs quick data on how many Americans can beat certain animals in fistfights, I think this is something to be concerned about. What department commissioned this study, and what will the eventual purposes be? I don't know, but I do feel like we should be worried a little bit more about that element of the story. But I don't know. This seems like a, a just one... One to keep an eye on, uh, especially when we're starting to get polled. You know, things are, you know, it could be a red flag that things are getting bad. Uh, not just, you know, global instability <laughs> yeah. coming out of a pandemic, economic uncertainty. When the government starts so, starts polling its people about which animals they think they can win in fistfights, that should be a red flag that maybe we should be a little bit concerned about the state of the world right Heather, now. Heather, you showed me this survey this morning, and it was a surveying website called YouGov, but it's not a government website. Is that correct? It was YouGov. It's not government run, but okay. like Jesse said, it is it was ostensibly designed to survey Americans' political opinions, which I guess that's sort of the relevance might be these people do vote, so we need to be aware that 6% of voters so think they could be the grizzly bear in a fight. That does seem like it has some... Effect on public policy, probably. Maybe is maybe is what we were talking about before the show that like things are just so boring now. We don't have any government leaders like inciting yeah. so much stress and anxiety Nobody, on America. Yeah. That is right. like, eh, let's just see what else people are thinking. Yeah. Yeah, about Kamala other Harris things. isn't saying anything crazy. We need something yeah. to. We got to get clicks somehow. Maybe it's a young politician who's like, you know, I really need to uh, make an impression with the American people. Mm-hmm. I have to beat up an animal that it, that most Americans feel like they can't beat up. Take a poll and find out. And if I'm fist fighting a grizzly bear, I need to start practicing now because <laughs> because election season's coming all right tyler what do you got all right i'll try to keep this quick and i think we can get through it pretty fast here but i'm i'm surprised a little bit at uh at who's at at whose side i'm taking in this upcoming showdown between a, a private company and uh and the u.s government so facebook 
you guys might be familiar with it, has announced plans to create what it's calling right now Instagram for Kids. Late last week, uh, they they say they want to create a site, a pl- platform that would be safe for people under the age of 13. Since they have made this announcement, attorney generals from 44 states and territories have urged the tech company to abandon the plan, citing the negative effects social media has on kids, as well as Facebook's less than stellar reputation for protecting children on its platform. Uh, the attorney generals all signed a statement that said use of social media can be detrimental to the health and well-being of kids who are not equipped to navigate the challenges of having a social media account. The attorneys general have an interest in protecting our youngest citizens and Facebook's plans to create a platform where kids under the age of 13 are encouraged to share content online is contrary to that interest. And to this, Mark Zuckerberg basically says, eh, I don't care. We're, we're, we're doing it anyway. You can't stop us, which is probably technically true. Um, and they the argument for that they seem to have is, well, kids are using social media one way or the other. So why don't we create a platform that's tailored for them to try to keep them safe instead of letting them just kind of run amok with the, in the wild west of Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, et cetera, online. Um, so I don't, as, as a non-parent, as I, as I, I think the only non-parent on the pod right now, uh, how do you, how do you guys feel about a social media platform by Facebook designed for the kids alone? Hey kids, I'm good on that. They just don't need social media. Just I'm, yeah. I don't, I'm, yeah, I don't. Because I mean, think about what you talked about when you were younger. Like it's not as though like it being for kids is gonna make it any less ratchet. I, I think it might even be even more ratchet just because kids don't really have a filter. Like I'm like nah. Less nah. Well, I think it's more of the privacy thing because Facebook has done uh, Facebook Messenger for kids. There's an app for kids to like chat with their friends on Facebook Messenger, and it's specifically for kids. And it has high privacy. There's no like data collection of the kids. There's no advertising stuff like that. I think that's what they're talking about: is creating a little bit more of a limited, commercialized zone for, for kids sure. Only. But I'm just, I'm just saying. I guess, I guess for me, I'm just. Worried about like I, I guess I'll, I'll put it I'll put it this way. We used to let our kids watch uh, YouTube for yeah, kids no, or whatever. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, it we just you, you would think you would just give them the iPad and they could just you know watch whatever. Well, one day my son was watching it and the most raunchy thing had flashed across, and I guess it was somebody that was kind of targeting kids and like I looked down yeah. like son what are you doing you know what I mean like what right. what's happening right here so I guess my fear is well, I guess right. in any circumstance I just I I know personally I just wouldn't want my kids on social media have any access to a world where you know it's hard to watch what's going on because people are my weird th- my thing right is now. like if you create an environment for children the predators will infiltrate like exactly you know, incognito uh, and I think it's like the more nefarious things. It's like, hey, all the things you want are right here, and they can like target the the children. Whereas, you know, uh, yeah, if you don't isolate the children like that, then it's tougher to target them with well, predators. It, the, the other thing too is like, uh, grownups have the ability to to kind of self curate. You know, where mm-hmm. it's like, look, if I if I if I, I I'll just follow who I want to follow. I'll filter out what I want to filter out. I'll look at what I want to look at. You know, kids, a lot of them don't have the aptitude for that, you know? And it, to your point, Derek, like, you know, one minute a kid's watching 
a trailer for a new superhero movie. The next minute, they're watching some weird homemade video that, you know, the person's in a Spider-Man costume that looks like one of those shady, dirty costumes that's like a knockoff that people in like Times Square wear where they're trying to take pictures with. You know what I mean? Like, there's no quality right, control yeah. standards. There's no, I don't know who this person is. I don't know why they're in a knockoff Mickey Mouse costume dancing with a fake Spider-Man and what message they're trying to tell to, to kids while also trying to manipulate YouTube algorithms for ad revenue. It just doesn't seem beyond it not seem like a good idea. It doesn't seem like anything that will add value to the lives of the, of the targeted users who in this case are children. Yeah. All right, Derek, what do you got? Yeah. So uh, I've said this before, but it's official now government saying UFOs are real and they're about to declassify a lot of the stuff that, you know, has been under classification. So it's about to get serious. So serious that Marco Rubio, I mean, I mean, well, I don't know how serious you take him, but he's talking about he, we really need to, you know, take this UFO thing serious. So I saw, I was like, okay, well, when you say UFOs, like in my mind, I'm instantly thinking like maybe like could be a drone, could be, you know what I mean? It could be something like from China or whatever, but when I read what that when they interviewed um, this this corporal, what he was saying, he said, "Imagine a technology that can do six to seven hundred G forces, that can fly at thirteen thousand miles an hour, and can even evade radar, that can fly through air and water and possibly space. Oh, and by the way, has no obvious signs of propulsion, no wings, no control surfaces, and yet can still defy the natural effects of Earth's gravity. That's precisely what we're talking about." When I read that, I was like, oh, 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 it's that advanced. Like, it's not just something we don't recognize. It's very advanced. So, man, I, this is going to be a very interesting time for us. I have I have a theory about all of this. And this is something oh, I think about a lot. And I've, I've you know, created, you know, other content around it and, and something I've researched pretty heavily. And do you guys want my theory? Please, yes. please. Yes. You podcast about this. Yes, please. So I think, you know, the the most obvious, the implications of this is because this technology is so, so light years advanced from us, quite literally, I mean, things are almost moving observably at the speed of light, that it has to be something extra, not of terrestrial origins, right? Like, we don't know how it works. These are these these objects that, that um, our military is encountering. Our generals will know what they are. They are able to, you know, bounce around the sky in ways that we don't understand and submerge themselves in water without breaking the surface of the water. It's very odd, right? And this is stuff that they have on video and that they're acknowledging are real. So I think it's easy to make the assumption that it is aliens or intelligent life. My personal theory, I don't think that is implausible. I think it's certainly possible, right? It's a big universe. We don't know what's all out there. My personal opinion, and and after kind of, I read this great book uh, by a journalist named Annie Jacobson, um, who wrote about the history of Area 51. She's nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. She went to, you know, an Ivy League school. She's a very bright person. And after reading that book, I'm pretty convinced that our government has been in possession of technology that is far, far advanced from what we understand as consumers. And, And 
I think for decades, the government uh, uh, or agencies within the government have been experimenting with aviation technology that doesn't uh, um, operate like traditional aircraft and things operate. I think they are, you know, really for a long time have been experimenting with things that operate more with like quantum principles than physics principles. And that may explain some of these, you know, crazy maneuvers. But I also think that this personally, I think it's, we have to be open to the idea that this technology is so potentially dangerous that it must be kept secret, not just from adversaries, but from, uh, you know, even forces within our traditional military, just because of the implications of what this technology could uh, unleash. And I think we've they've been experimenting with it a long time and it's you know it, but now that stuff has been captured on video now that there's confusion i personally think that these pentagon officials who made an appearance on 60 minutes um and that that kind of drummed up a lot of this attention i personally think they are either knowing or unknowing parts of a misinformation campaign to make mm. people assume that this technology is extraterrestrial because doing that accomplishes two things one it prevent it, it you know kind of strikes uncertainty and fear in military adversaries like other countries are like well it's not there so you know who knows but it also protects the secrecy of whatever this technology is that's my take though i'm certainly open to the idea of aliens it also seems plausible knowing the history of disinformation campaigns that this this is a likely uh, so you, uh possibility you said all that a couple months ago when we talked about the footage that came out and i'm i'm curious so you don't think that this new footage that that prompted no. uh derek's uh uh, item. You don't think that that changes anything that you just said? I think this just more is more confirmation to that fact. I think. I think if I think that this was intelligent life. I mean, there's no, you know, th yeah. there's no. Uh, it doesn't seem to be any uh, effort to communicate with us. It, they're just kind of zipping around. There seem, doesn't seem to be a whole lot of intentionality. Do you think test flights? Well, the, the the other thing too. Yeah, and the, this um, the last season of this podcast I did called "Hiding Something," which looks at method the methodology of intelligence officials um, to kind of sway public opinion. You know, they admit now that in the 1960s they were planting people within the UFO community to uh, plant disinformation because some people within that community actually witnessed experimental aircraft outside of Area 51. So mm. the government went to extreme lengths to gaslight these people to make, they actually, there was one guy who was a, who was a veteran, who was a military veteran who called the military who lived not far from Area 51. This is in the late seventies and said, look, I saw something. I need to tell you guys about it. I'm doing my American duty here. They knew full and well that what this guy saw was actually uh, experimental aircraft that they were working on, but they told him that it was aliens. And they, 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 this guy went to the UFO community. They were, they were tapping his phones, like doing weird voices in his phones <sighs> to think he was being contacted. That our own government did that as a disinformation campaign. The poor guy ended up being institutionalized because of paranoia. They Stop are capable. Playing, Th that is a true. That is a true story. And these, they're, they're like the history of an, of intelligence work is full of stories like this. Because Jesse, they, they, your eyes are wide open. You're in danger. You are out here in the media <laughs> saying I know. the truth. Or maybe I'm part of the disinformation campaign. Mm -hmm. They call it black oh propaganda. It's a really interesting. Okay. I mean, okay. black propaganda. Why is it got to be black propaganda. I mean, propaganda is black. Oh, that's true. 
He should change his name to Black Propaganda. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Show Baraka joins us. We don't You're listening to Kid Francescoli. The song is Blow Up. Well, our guest today is Sho Baraka. He's a rapper, artist, author, and co-founder of the AND campaign. His work combines his artistic platforms with his academic history to contribute a unique perspective, elevating the contemporary conversation on faith, art, and culture. He has a brand new book called He Saw That It Was Good, Reimagining Your Creative Life to Repair a Broken World, which suggests that creativity is more than a hobby or even a passion, but one of God's tools to redeem creation. We talked to show about his own creative journey and what it might mean for us to reimagine what it means to be creative. Here's our conversation with Show Baraka. I'm Palace Roman, I'm Moses in most of my moments It's hard to find yourself in the land of your opponents yeah. Your brothers might trip you, yeah. so keep your feet stable yeah. Avoid walking with canes, everybody ain't able yeah. I catalog my losses, but I'm walking in victory yeah. I see what you love by where you're putting your energy yeah. What's your identity, apart from white supremacy? Do you love yourself or do you just envy your enemy? <laughs> Let me suggest, I am far from oppressed I am nobody We look at Genesis 1 and we think about God creating humanity And... He created us to create in some sort of way And being creative is not just for artists um, We all create in some form or fashion So whether you're a teacher, a stay-at-home parent, an engineer, artist, etc, etc A politician, you create something You are reaching for results And so this book is How can we walk through this book and communicate the different ways in which people have used their creativity For good or for detriment <laughs> and so I try to capture that through story. How do we use story as a means to shape identity and culture? How do we use work and uh, vocation as a way to do that? How has justice and the fight for justice done that? How have people disagreed in their forms of creating and cultivating and yet still seem to be harmonious or you know, charitable? Within the particular subgenre of Christian culture uh, or Christian music and Christian hip hop. Yeah. What are some things that need to be done in order for us to create good economic status, uh, our economic elevation, social uh, status, uh, uh, better education, just uh, just better platforms for folks who are on the margins? How can we create better art as Christians and not censor um, art and creativity? And then the last chapter is basically an assessment of how we can be better creators and cultivators on a daily basis. However, what some people may not know is that there are fiction pieces within the book. So 
between particular chapters um, there are short stories and poems that I wrote when I say persecution we ain't talking about no violence dude what they really want to do is try silence you I believe the best of my values and ethics but my cynicism tells me that your values are reckless information information I just need some information I've been dying I've been dying is it lack of education I've been reading I've been reading without any transformation I'm addicted so for this particular audience uh, that listens that'll be reading this listening to this podcast reading us on relevant what where do you see these communities going wrong and how they create and what you're talking about here what are some of the frequent missteps that you've observed yeah in the book I um I, I detail a few like I said like in story and and the fight of the other view of what justice is I think the misstep is oftentimes is that when you control narratives you often mm-hmm. don't know how the stories you form affect and impact other people and so what I challenge us to do is to, to consistently castigate our work Paul talks about it in second uh, Corinthians I think uh, where he says the to continue to evaluate yourself and your your salvation to make sure you know um, you're you're in right standing with the Lord and I think there are oftentimes and I use this a, a quick example they made me take most of it out the book but you know you, you think about um, a, a pimp and a prostitute everybody most Christians better yet will see that the the, the work of a pimp is demoralizing and is degrading not only to the prostitute but to himself and we see that as a vocation that is unhealthy and most christians would say you need to find different work and we would ask that sister to stop selling her body and try to help liberate her give her a better job you know put her on a trajectory towards uh as we would say probably a more dignifying work and i would say rightfully so however I also talk about in the book how uh, somebody who does payday lending could walk into a church Mm. and um, we wouldn't we wouldn't bat an eye on that because Mm -hmm. they seem to have their life together their They manage their money. Well, not only will we not challenge their work and their vocation, um, we would probably give them some sort of role and responsibility in a church, some sort of eldership when payday loans destroy communities where you're taking advantage of people uh it may be legal in many states but yet and still it's clearly a means that creates poverty it creates a cycle of poverty in a lot of communities um and you target people who are in some dire needs and so that's a way of evaluating how you may think your work is good but how you may be creating towards the detriment of a society so you're talking about just a a a not just because it's a very big deal but broader uh, more systemic understanding or interrogation maybe of what is good and uh, what are these people actually creating with their work yes and that good is not always fixed I, I talk about heroes and villains and oftentimes we we see them as caricatures um, like in cartoons that like evil is always easily identifiable hmm. and uh, yeah. but in the real world that's not that's not the case you know sometimes evil is very enticing is very tempting and oftentimes heroes can become villains and villains can become heroes uh talk about tony stark one of my favorite i love i love iron man i love marvel comics Uh i love the mcu but one of the interesting things about tony stark is he's you know tony stark is iron man iron man is a superhero who flies over the world but ultimately 
Tony's uh, Iron Man is solving all the problems that Tony Stark's creates. <laughs> and I say, like, at the end of the day, Christians often get on planes and go save the world doing missions work. But it, they just did better work. If we had a better view of theology at work, then we wouldn't have to get on planes. You know, we wouldn't cause as much problems with our with our hammer and with our calculators and with our spreadsheets because we're viewing our vocational our, our vocational output and our dispositions with great with great fear and trembling and we're always asking is what I'm doing good hello love today the delegation votes today we must determine on who was our future foe I just left the meeting I got permission to go so I choose to use this time to write you a quick note we've really made progress on should do some policies dealing with misogyny boosting up our economy removing nationalism and private prisons racism that was show Baraka make sure to check out his new book and he saw that it was good it's available now stay tuned up next it's relevant news to coin it's their new one hypnotico okay it's time for relevant all right what's going on this week tyler huckabee we're going to talk about something that's happening that is, that is starting to uh, on the on the track to make its way to the supreme court that has potential to be a, a fairly significant decision uh depending on which way it goes that would have a, an enormous amount of repercussions for roe v wade for the state of abortion here in the u.s so on Monday, the Supreme Court announced that it will review Mississippi's restrictive abortion ban. This is one of those uh, heartbeat bills that bans mm-hmm. most abortions after 15 weeks. Now, pro-life advocates see this as a very key, potentially very key to a serious diminishment of Roe v. Wade, possibly even overturning it. So mm-hmm. uh, Mississippi is one of several states that passed a slew of abortion bills that really narrowed the window for when a woman can legally terminate her pregnancy. And now, in many cases, banning abortion after 15 weeks effectively amounts to banning abortion outright, sort of a de facto abortion ban, since most women don't really realize they're pregnant until afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, pro-choice advocates have been able to argue that these bans don't square with Roe v. Wade, and so those bills have survived... None of those bills have survived lower courts. But now the Supreme Court is going to take up this case to reexamine, and this is from their decision, whether, quote, all pre-viability prohibitions on abortion are unconstitutional. If the Supreme Court finds that Mississippi is within its rights to place such limitations on the legal window for abortion, that would really weaken Roe v. Wade, even without overturning the decision completely. It might kind of mm-hmm. leave Roe v. Wade in place, but make it pretty ineffective as a uh, as far as a law goes, since states would have a huge amount of ability to determine when and how abortion could be legally allowed. Um, now, pro-life advocates have long known that heartbeat bills don't really survive legal challenges, but they've continued to mount these efforts uh, in its hopes that someday the Supreme Court would take one of these cases up. And now, yeah, with the Supreme, Supreme Court, Court. 
right? Uh, right. And now they, that's yeah. why they're feeling pretty good about this with a very conservative Supreme Court following the introduction of Justices Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. Activists are feeling good about the decision going their way. Uh, Kavanaugh and Barrett replaced uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Anthony Kennedy, and who their rulings uh, protected Roe v. Wade for quite a while. Uh, so this will be interesting. Public opinion remains very mixed on abortion right now in, in the U.S. It remains very much kind of a, a toss up. Twenty eight percent of Americans, including 51 percent of Republicans and 13 percent of Democrats want Roe v. Wade overturned. Sixty four percent think Roe should stand with some sort of different, uh, you know, with some nuances added, maybe more protections one way or the other. Uh, so the decision still a little ways down the road, probably won't come till July of next year, but definitely going to be a very big case with a lot of people watching it uh, when that finally does happen in the summer. And it, curiously, at least uh, I think, surprising that the Supreme Court is going to pick this one up before the midterms, because I think that could have a huge amount of repercussions for how both the parties in the U.S. try to strategize for mounting re-election campaigns and all. So something I, that you I, will want to be aware of and will obviously be covering at the site. I heard I heard uh, the you know, the significance of this is is that the Roe v. Wade uh, definition is viability. So um, if a if, you know, in the womb, uh, if the baby is viable to survive outside of the womb, then abortion is prohibited. But up to that point, it's it's legal. And and what's interesting I heard discussed is that. Uh, this uh, setting it instead of a vague term like that, because medical advancements have been so significant in the last 50 years since the law was enacted, um, that vi that viability has gotten earlier and earlier and earlier. And mm -hmm. so that's yeah. a moving target. And so uh, that the Supreme Court might rule on the side of state by state states kind of defining their own moment of, quote unquote, viability and that 14 weeks is approved in Mississippi and that it would open the door for other conservative states to say, well, then our state's 12 weeks and our state's six weeks and mm -hmm. our state's whatever, because we got really great doctors and you can't tell us. So it's not viable at that point. And so, you know, like that, it would basically, like you said, state by state, close the door on it. There's one abortion clinic in Mississippi and, and uh, they're saying like, yeah, this would, you know, basically close us uh, if this was approved. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's been interesting to watch the target move in that. Yeah. and that. And our, when I was uh, younger, I remember the kind of the dream of pro-life groups being to overturn Roe v. Wade. That is less and less the goal yeah. since Roe v. Wade is obviously a uh, pretty hard to, to overturn. It, right? They're trying to limit but, yeah, it. But yeah, if you, but yeah. you can you can take the spine out of it. And mm -hmm. uh, and states have gotten uh, pretty, I would say, pretty strategic about how they're yeah. how they're doing that. I mean, this would be if if this. Yeah. goes their direction then it would be it would be a big deal and they were even waiting and this is true this is i mean a lot of a lot of these bills have been sitting there and the pro-life advocacy groups have not tried to push them or challenge you know whatever it ha like even the aclu hasn't been fighting because they uh they didn't want them to go up to the supreme court until the supreme court was staunchly conservative and so i think in, in hindsight the big history of things say what you will about President Trump's administration from a conservative uh, pro-life agenda, the three judges that he appointed tilting the court for a generation essentially uh, will be pretty much the legacy of his gener of his, of his administration. And it's just interesting to see that nuance. And that's really why so many evangelical leaders ignored all the moral, you know, 
chaos things that he did because he was giving them the judges that they wanted to be able to take the steps that are now starting to happen. It's interesting. I think the danger there, though, and the easy trap to fall into, it's not dissimilar at its core to what we were talking about earlier, where, you know, the human mind is made to gravitate towards simple solutions, not overly complex ones. And to see the over Roe v. Wade being overturned as some magic bullet, like we did it for life, abortion's over. But that's how it's been, you know, that's how, you know, to, to some degree, it's been positioned for a lot of people that this is the... The, the end game of the fight is overturning Roe v. Wade, right? right? Like, even if people weren't explicitly saying that, I feel like a lot of us grew up under those implications. Right. To, and to your point, elect whoever we need to, right. because this is the singular goal. But but in reality, the, if, over, if Roe v. Wade gets overturned, all that does is mean that access to abortion is no longer guaranteed. That doesn't mean it's over. That doesn't mean abortion is now legal. It means that, you know, access is not constitutionally guaranteed. And there's going to be a whole nother legal fight after this one. And likely after that, a whole nother legal light, uh, fight. And that's why I think it's important to remind people who are passionate about this issue that unless there are other pro-life initiatives that are running in parallel that will, that, you know, are statistically shown to decrease the number of abortions you know then the the legal fight's never going to end and even when it does there's economic there's prevention there's education there's also adoption barriers like lower like social programs i mean to adopt a kid from a mother in distress is ten thousand dollars make it free i mean like you know that kind of stuff there's going to be a lot of changes systemically and holistically that need to happen don't just go after the law yeah yeah exactly because the other thing too is the law makes it illegal but making something illegal doesn't mean people won't do it or or seek to do it i mean just ask any just look at the outcome of the war on drugs how's that gone you know what I mean? It's been a big disaster yeah. and it's probably dramatically Oof. set back. History is shining a very different light on just say no. And well, and not <laughs> only, not only does it, not only does yeah, it sorry. have profound uh, uh, negative social impacts when you look at mass incarceration, it is also so dramatically set back significant medical developments in the field of neurology and treatment yeah. of trauma and PTSD that people are like, Hey, wait, these natural, these substances that naturally occur, occur in nature that it's been illegal to study may actually be able to help people who are suffering from mental illness. You know, people are now beginning to realize that there's a danger just to thinking we can legislate away problems without looking at the moral complexities of them. All right, that'll do it for... For more of what we're covering at the intersection of faith and culture every day, make sure to follow Relevant on all the socials. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and get our Relevant Today newsletter. Sign up at uh, relevantmagazine.com and gives you our top five trending stories every morning. Um, it's a good way to keep in touch with what we've got going out every day. All right, stay tuned. Up next, it's our quarter life conversation with author Jennifer Dukes Lee. listening to the lone bellow the song is dried up river 
Well, if you've been following along for the last couple months, we've been doing a new content series called Quarter Life, specifically focused on the issues and topics you're tackling in your 20s. We've been talking about everything from career to faith, relationships, mental health, and so much more um, from well-known authors, entrepreneurs, faith leaders, and others. We're doing Quarter Life to encourage and inspire you to make the most out of this season, uh, live it well, be intentional about it. The series is presented by our friends at UHSM. You know, as we're rethinking everything in our quarter life, uh, maybe rethink your healthcare as well. Check out what UHSM is doing at uhsm.com slash care. It's awesome. It's revolutionary. And we appreciate their support. Well, our quarter life conversation guest today is Jennifer Dukes Lee. She's an author and speaker whose fast paced life as a journalist was transformed when she learned the value of saying no to hustle culture and embracing a slower lifestyle. She's concerned about our culture's rush to, quote, return to normal after COVID. And she thinks that this is a great opportunity to imagine a newer, better normal that leaves more margin for our mental, emotional, and spiritual health. She talked to us about her own journey to rejecting the hustle and gives practical tips on how to carve out time in your day to become a healthier person. Here's our conversation with Jennifer Dukes Lee. Why do you think we default to a position of hurry? Why is that our kind of our I feel like when left to my own devices, when not being deliberate and intentional, I default to stress, to overbooking myself, to saying yes to too many things and to not growing slow. What is that in me that's pushing me that direction? Our culture is a very output-oriented, metrics-based culture that we live in that rewards what seem to be overnight successes. When mm -hmm. that's a whole nother story, there is no such thing as an overnight success. Right, Even right. somebody like on The Voice has had years of training most likely to uh -huh. get to where they are. So I think to um, not to buy into this idea that there are milestones or uh, that you have to hit at some certain point in your life. You know, at almost every stage and decade of life, you could buy into the idea that I'm falling behind. So I have friends who are in high school and uh, they are friends of my daughters and they feel like they're falling behind because they don't know what they're going to do with the rest of their life. As if a 16 yeah. year old should know what she should do at age 30. And then if yeah. they go to college, they feel like I've got to get a spouse before all the good ones are taken and that there's this milestone. And then it becomes about milestones related to having a child and another child and a house. I got to buy a house and now I got to buy a bigger house and it needs this much of a garage. And then I got to get a lake house. So there's always something <laughs> next level. <laughs> and there really are no milestones for these things, but that's where the pressure comes from. And it, it's so it really has less to do with what's on the to-do list and more about how we approach what's mm. happening in our life right now and the expectations that we set on ourselves for what should be coming in the next year or five years or wh whatever that benchmark is for you. So for you, what did that look like? Because I think it's one thing to be like, I got to slow down, which I think most people, a lot of people would probably say, yeah, I could do, do with a little less stress in my life. But actually making that happen, the gulf between wanting to do that and actually making that part of your life, I think for many people, including sometimes, frankly, myself can feel very, very difficult. I think the thing is, is that we have this idea that that um, in order to get the life we want, we have to chase it down. But honestly, 
hand to the sky, the way to get the life you want is not to chase it down, but to slow it down, to begin to validate the mm. good small things that are growing in your lives right now. These things that are happening right now that God has planted in our lives and that he is using us to plant in the lives and ministries and businesses and the people all around us and to validate those things. And so it does really take a reversal of philosophy, adopting a whole mm. new mindset toward growing slow and believing that it's possible. Growing slow is a way of single-tasking your life, and it's a way of adopting sets of habits. And I can share some of those very practical things we can do. But you first have to decide to buy in on this philosophy that growing slow is not going to wreck your life. Do you mind sharing a few practical things? Obviously, I want people to buy the book, so don't give the whole thing away right now. Don't, no spoilers, but, but, give me, but give me just a few, uh, a few top shelf ones. Absolutely. So there are so many grow slow habits that you can adopt. And some of them are, we don't have to complicate this. I mean, most of them are pretty simple things that you could do today, like sitting down while you eat. A lot of people, especially at breakfast and dinner, are standing up, taking bites, eating so quickly that they can't even taste the food. If God gave us something so beautiful as food with flavor, let's sit down and enjoy and taste it. Another thing is not to uh, look at your phone at the stoplight. And I say these things because I did these things or in the line at Target, because what happens is you end up with a hurried heart. Something urgent comes in on your phone that you really can't in any practical way answer or resolve in that moment. So that urgent thing is hanging around the edge of your heart in the form of hurry. And it creates a sort of anxiety that you can't tend to or fix until you get back home. Another thing is to wake up 10 minutes earlier to set the tone for your day, to sort of welcome the day in whatever way that looks like. I talked to a woman this morning and she says, oh, I do that. And it's made a difference. And what she does is she walks out every morning and she waters the hydrangea bushes in front of her house. These are simple things, but it's a way of saying, I'm going to take charge of this day and set a tone for it that is less hurried. And I'm going to be the boss of my life instead of letting all these to do's and all these responsibilities control your entire mindset. That was Jennifer Dukes-Lee. Make sure to get her new book, Growing Slow. It's out now. And also check out more of that conversation over in the Quarter Life section at relevantmagazine.com. Hey, while you're there at Quarter Life, you can grab our our free ebook. It's called the Quarter Life Handbook, and it has uh, great advice from a, a wide range of leaders and innovators and influencers from Shauna Nequist to Scott Harrison and so many more. It was just the whole range of people is amazing. It's available for free at quarterlife.com. Thanks to UHSM. Okay, stay tuned. Up next, it's our new game. You won't want to miss it. It's great. This week on Relevant Recommends, we're talking about the summer music festivals that should be on your radar in 2021. Lollapalooza, Coachella, Bonnaroo, and more are making their big comebacks and dropping their lineups. And we'll tell you which ones we're most interested in over at relevantmagazine.com.
listening to Shade. The song is High Dive. Okay, it is time for a new game. International Blockbuster. All right, this is called International Blockbuster. Now here, uh, this game was uh, compiled by our very own Tyler Huckabee, so he cannot play. So this is going to be a Jesse and Derek joint today. Let's get it. This game. Let's get it. So here's the setup. The summer movie season is now upon us once again. Movie lovers are excited to get back into theaters, catch up on summer blockbusters like the upcoming uh, Marvel's Black Widow, Lynn Manuel Miranda's In the Heights, the ninth entry, and then the ninth entry in the Fast and the Furious franchise is coming up. <laughs> Movies like these have become international sensations, becoming box office hits all over the world. Okay. But what might be a catchy movie title in the U.S.? doesn't always translate overseas so film promoters in their countries are forced to get creative coming up with new names that make sense in the local language and customs okay so in this game we have taken the foreign translations of hit u.s blockbusters and translated those titles back into english and so you have to guess what the original movie actually is based on the retranslated name. Now, all of these movies I'm going to say are huge mega hits. You know them. You've probably seen them all. Okay. So these aren't weird art house things. These are huge mega hits. All right. So what I'm going to do is say the the translated name and then between you, uh, Derek and Jesse, whoever guesses it correctly first will win the point. So you're just going at it. Just guessing until somebody's right. Got it? Done. All right. This is International Blockbuster. All right. First round. Here we go. The, the translated name is The Teeth from the Sea. Jaws. Oh, he got it right wow. out the gate. Jaws. That was the translation from France. The Teeth from the Sea. Derek's got one. Right, can I be I'll honest? Can I be Dude, honest? The impressive. Teeth from the Sea sounds way more terrifying because I'm picturing like disembodied teeth. <laughs> I think I would be less freaked out. Real talk. If I'm at the beach. If I'm at the beach, I see a shark fin. I'm like, oh, there's a shark out there. Oh, Watch so out, guys. Big. If I see a bunch of teeth just wash up on the shore, I'm like, guys, we got to get out of here, man. This is a bunch of teeth just wash up, man. I can take, I gotta, take a shark, no problem. Hand-to-hand combat, me versus a shark. Easy. Teeth. It's over. Teeth by itself as a problem. There's some sort of psychotic dentist. There's a bunch of teeth right there. There's some sort of psychotic dentist bobbing around out there. I don't know where he's at. He's not some sort of dingy throwing teeth out. You know... Plus, that seems pretty... I don't want to swim with teeth. It's like finding a Band-Aid in the pool. Like, just shock it. Shut it down for the day. Shock it. If I found a tooth, forget it, man. I'm not swimming all in right, that. This one, this one, you all have a 0% chance of getting, but this is a big movie. I'll even give you the origin country, okay? Oh, wow. Germany. This is the the retranslation from German. The, t- the, the title is A Twin Seldom Comes Alone. A Twin Seldom Comes comes alone what movie is that a twin seldom comes alone oh man i'm trying to think please tell me it's the movie twins with arnold schwarzenegger and Danny <laughs> please <laughs> no, it's not. please it's tell me it's, it's twins yeah. with Danny it's and arnold not. schwarzenegger no, you're on the no, right track what a, what a what a great plot for a movie by the way <laughs> hey we got arnold schwarzenegger 
who is this, you know, uh, uh, Danish Adonis. And then you have Danny DeVito, who is, you know, I think he just kind of owns his his physique. He looks like Danny DeVito. Let's just say it. But yeah, wait. Yeah, yeah. But wait. They're twins. What's yeah. the movie called? It's right. twins. It's a, twins. T- a twin seldom comes alone. Uh, a clue, Tyler, maybe. Uh, it, think a little um, more. A little more aimed towards the kids. Yeah, a, f- a family dynamic is yeah, involved. Yeah, younger Disney. Uh, Parent trap or if it's yes. twins? Yes, a parent trap. Parent trap. That's it. Jesse got yeah. it. Tied up. One one. Here we go. All right. It sounds like a horror movie. It sounds I like know, a right? weird movie where there's yeah. like like the movie poster. The movie poster is like a kid like standing next to their closet. Then you see like under the clothes in the closet another another set yeah. of feet or something. You're like, what's going on? Right. Wait. This family thinks they have one kid. They actually have twins, and one of them's a psycho. <laughs> I'd watch that probably. That That's when Seldom comes along. Yeah, it's like people under the stairs or something, but it's about children. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. All right. Here's one. Uh, the the young people who traverse dimensions wearing sunglasses. It's a uh, France. Okay. The young people the who black. traverse. Nope. The young people who traverse dimensions wearing sunglasses. Back to the future. Nope. Good guess. The Lost the Boys. People. No, good guesses. What country is this? France. The young people who traverse dimensions wearing sunglasses. Yeah, very oddly descriptive. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, dimensions? Very oddly descriptive. Uh, maybe dimensions aren't like space and time, but more... Honey, um, I shrunk the kids? No. The young oh, people no, who traverse right. dimensions wearing sunglasses. I don't remember Rick Moranis' sunglasses in that one. Yeah. But, um... Oh, no, uh, your the Matrix? Yes, the Matrix. Jesse. The Matrix. Jesse. The Matrix. Who, who, who's in charge of titling movies over there? <laughs> in France. That, 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 that's wow. The two it, French ones like, are like it, weird. It would be like naming Home Alone, like the solitary, the solitary boy, uh, uh, with a propensity for violence and mischief. And you're like, uh, that sounds like a fun holiday film. <laughs> yeah. Yo, that's crazy. All right. All right, here we go. Uh, this is also a French one. <laughs> Mom, Ray, I wild. missed the plane. Mom, I missed the plane. Is that Home Alone too? It is Home Alone. It's Home Alone. <laughs> home Alone. Yeah. I like your title better. I'm getting smoked. So it's three to one, right? Three to one. Here we go. Yeah, I'm getting smoked. All right. This one's from China. Ready? He's a ghost. There's an exclamation point. He's a ghost. <laughs> The ghost please, or ghost? Please tell me, tell me that six cents, please. That the they just put sense. the spoiler. It's the six no, cents. they put the, they put the twist in the, the, the title. That's crazy. The ghost is the name. That's crazy. I couldn't believe it. He's a ghost all along. One of the greatest <laughs> twist endings of all time in the title. And they just spoiled that. <laughs> Spell it out. Yeah. You've got, See, my you've brain got a, don't work that way. You got a picture of like, Bruce Willis. And it says he's a ghost over it. That's that's he's the movie. Over. There it is. Oh my gosh! That's like calling the first Star Wars. Darth Vader is the father of uh, <laughs> Luke Skywalker. A, a Star Wars tale. <laughs> he's the baby daddy. <laughs> All right, here we go. Also from China. I'm getting one smoked. night. One night, big belly. One night, big belly. One night, big belly. Mm-hmm. My big fat Greek wedding. Nope. Think comedy. Is this, this has to be. Is I'm this the lost. Santa Claus? Nope. Oh, oh that's, that's a good, a good guess. Though. 
That's, that it's a good. different direction in comedy. It's uh, maybe like a romantic comedy, maybe. One Night, Big Billy. Uh, I've never watched a rom-com. An inappropriate you, comedy? Like, like, Apatow kind of? 40-year-old virgin? You're in the range. You're in the range. Knocked Warmer. up. Knocked up. Knocked up. Knocked That's up. it. Knocked up. Yep. One night, big I don't even remember that movie. They, 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 they made it somehow sound less romantic. They made a one night stand <laughs> sound somehow less romantic than knocked up. Like, <laughs> I know that was the point of that film to, as like a cautionary tale about, you know, reckless romance or that was a sub thing. But I feel like knocked up seems pretty derogatory, you know, but one night, big belly definitely sounds like it's trying to d- d- deter people from casual uh, uh, liaisons. Oh, that takes right, one night, baby. This one's from Spain. This one's from Spain. This one's right up Derek's alley. Night oh. of the night. The first word is K-N. Dark night. Yes, right. The, the dark. dark. There you go. This I got two. All right, here Not we go. Not a bad title. Not a bad title. Night of the night. All right. Uh, this one is from Italy. If you leave okay. me, I delete you. If you leave me, I delete you. Unfriended? Nope. That's Ooh, good, though. Good guess. This is my dating life. If you leave me, I delete you. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> if you leave me, I delete you. Oh man! Can you give us a genre like a, a uh, indie? I would say indie, quirky indie film, a big hit, uh, quirky indie film. Oh oh! Uh, it's not her, right? No, but no. it would uh, not in the sci-fi vein, but in that hers in the lane indie. Yeah. Okay, it's a well-known. It was a well. It was a well-known comedian's like dramatic turn. That's true. That's right. The Truman uh, Show. A yellow van might be involved. <laughs> you know, is it Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Eternal no. Sunshine. Oh, Eternal Sunshine, Eternal of, the Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. There you go. Okay. All right. Here we go. Uh, a few more. Uh, this is from Hungary. Ready? The eighth passenger is death. This is a big, big movie. Final Destination? No. Think more 80s. The, the, a ship, a ship is involved, obviously, because yeah, they're on, yeah, a, so they're a, on passenger. a passenger. I'm not yeah. saying a water ship. I'm saying a passenger fifty seven. No, no. Think more. <laughs> Wesley Snipes inter- don't get no love. Think more. <laughs> future passenger fifty seven. He's just. I'm trying to think of any like space movies where airplane. Star no, Trek. Jesse's getting in that lane. Start thinking of space movies. Space movies is big good. classic. Oh. Maybe a scary space movie because death. Alien. Yes. Alien. Alien. There you go. Good got one. It. There you go. Nice. Oh, did they get <laughs> wow. that out of? <laughs> There's seven people on the play on the ship. The alien yeah. is gonna kill them. Yeah. There's oh. Eight There's eight okay. Okay. They think they're seven. Death. They were. That seven. was deep. But the ace, yeah. In addition to being death, the eighth passenger is also an alien. That's actually less of a spoiler a than the sixth sense one. This like buries that the eighth passenger is an extraterrestrial. The sixth sense yeah. one is like he's a ghost. I mean, it's yeah. just like right. the idea yeah. of a Bruce Willis poster that says he's a ghost. It's just like <laughs> blows my mind. It just blows. Yeah, that's my bad. Mind. That's bad, right. bro. This one's from China as well. Interplanetary unusual attacking team. Interplanetary unusual attacking team. Oh man, uh, is that the Avengers? Star Trek. Uh, you're both in the lane. 
but Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, there you go. Guardians of the there Galaxy. You there you go. I knew Derek would come through. That actually works. <laughs> that actually works. <laughs> that does I kinda work. Like interplanetary unusual attacking team. That's an improvement. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah, to yeah, I was gonna say. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy sounds like they're it's boring. Yeah. Galaxy's yeah. a big right. place. Yeah, you can't guard the yeah. whole galaxy. Yeah. Right. All right, here we go. This is from Japan. Wild speed colon max. Wild speed max. Wild speed max. Speed. Days of thunder. No, but race cars are involved. Fast and furious. Yes. Yeah. Fast and furious. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Actually, I, I think an improvement. Wild, <laughs> Wild speed, speed max. max. I would see that. I would see that. It is pretty cool. Uh, this is from Poland. Two more. Here we go. Ready? Electronic murderer. Terminator. Yes! Terminator! <laughs> Man, you just, you I was waiting one. for it. I knew. I was yeah, like, there's, there has to be a Terminator in here somewhere. Dude, just a swish. Yeah. That yeah. was crazy. All right, here we go. This is from France. Last one. Here we go. Very bad trip. Very bad trip. The hangover. Yes! Oh, oh, you beat me to it! You beat me to it! I was about to say it too. <laughs> there you go. The hangover. All right. Well, that'll do it for the debut of International Blockbuster. How bad did I get my butt kicked? It was bad. Jesse, how many you got, bro? It actually, it, it actually came out. You were just one behind in the end. Derek. Oh, no! It Stop came to the playing. end! Yeah. Oh, I gained a little traction. Okay, that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> I don't I don't think that's an un, like it seems like an unfair title because if you stick around to the end credits, it seems like it was a pretty wild fun trip. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seemed like when you're watching the movie, man, this trip went south. But then you see that photo roll, you're like, Oh, he's on the roof the whole time. They were just goofing. Oh, fun. Ah, this is yeah. fine. Yeah. This is fine. You know. <laughs> All right. Well, spoiler. Uh, what, that's like calling him a hangover. He's on the roof the entire film. Like, yeah, that, yeah. that would be the equivalent. Your buddy yeah. is on the roof of the casino. You want to go see this movie? It's, it looks pretty great. Well, before we wrap it up, I do want to thank Show Baraka for joining us today. Make sure to check out his new book. He saw that it was good. It's fantastic. Also, thanks to Jennifer Dukes Lee for being part of our quarter life conversation. You can pick up a copy of her book, Growing Slow, wherever you buy your books, and make sure to check out more of that convo in the quarter life section at relevantmagazine.com, presented by UHSM. Also, while you're at the site, make sure to head over to the faith section where we have our new Deeper Walk devotional series. Every morning, every weekday morning, I should say, we have a brief devotional and scripture resources. Uh, We also have a Deeper Walk podcast if you'd rather listen to your morning devotional. It's really well done. It's just a few minutes long. It's awesome to subscribe to. And the whole thing, Deeper Walk, is presented by Lumo. Lumo is a visual Bible. Check out their resources on the uh, Lumo uh, YouTube page and also you can check out lumoproject.com many thanks to them for presenting Deeper Walk on that note we'll wrap it I'm Cameron Strang I'm Jesse Carey I'm Derek Miner I'm Tyler Huckabee alright we will uh, see y'all next week but we're going to Wyoming peace for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on The Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine, 
A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. If I'm fist fighting a grizzly bear, I need to start practicing now. Relevant Podcast Network. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.